Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I'm going to speak uh, this morning. Um, if you didn't, you may have seen it online, but I'm about to start a three-week series. We're going to be looking at the end times. Many of you may not have, um, have looked at this before, or it may be something new to you, or you've never heard of it, but we're going to be focusing on, for the next three weeks, a look and understanding what I would say the end time truths. And the title of this series is The Final Countdown. The final countdown. No, it's nothing to do with the song that came out in the 80s, I believe, or 90s, if anyone remembers that song. The title of this is The Final Countdown. I want us to look, because I believe that many people today, I have, there's many churches today, I believe, don't really speak much on this, and it's never really focused upon, and the detriment of that is that people don't really understand what's going to happen. But let's just pick up in... Matthew chapter 24, and looking at what Jesus has to say, first of all, in verse 37, we're going to pick this up in Matthew 24. It says this, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, that's Jesus. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day of Noah entered the ark. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. I want you to skip to Matthew 25 and verse 1. It says this, a parable that Jesus gave. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. I want to talk to you today on something that is actually so vital to your Christian walk. It is as vital as your salvation that Jesus is coming soon. We love to sing songs, we love to worship God, we love the fact that we're saved and we're here today, and we love to live our lives as Christians, we find it difficult sometimes, and we, look to, we love to talk about what Jesus did on the cross, and all these things are the reason why we're here. But many of us sometimes never focus on what is to come, 
And we live our lives trying to sometimes struggle through Christianity, but we don't think about what's actually down the road. And Jesus said many times to his disciples, he said that, be ready, because I'm coming soon. In Revelation 22, at the very end, the very last words are, behold, I'm coming soon. And we need to be ready, Jesus says, for his return. We sometimes never think or stop about what's coming. In Acts, I think it's chapter 2 or verse 1 and 2, when Jesus uh, in the transfiguration goes up and the disciples are looking at Jesus leave, there's two men dressed in white come and they say, the same way that he's left is the same way he's going to come back. The last time Jesus was seen is right at that point. When he left and he went up into the clouds and they watched him go and they were disappointed that their saviour, the one who they've been following, is now leaving the earth. But two men dressed in white said to them, listen, don't get upset about this. You need to wait because he, the same way he's gone, he's going to come back. And I want to encourage you today and be excited that Jesus is coming back. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at these next few weeks at some of the things the Bible says. In fact, in three weeks, we can't delve into it in full detail. I'll probably pick up on some more things later on in this year, or maybe next year we'll pick this back up again, because I think it's a really good thing to study. But what I want to do is with this is allow you to, in this three weeks, if you don't know anything about the end times, or you've known a little bit, is for you to get a basic skeleton as to what some of the things that I believe, and for you to be able to put some of those things onto that. And to understand a little bit about what Jesus is saying about the end times. Jesus said in Mark 13, verse 32, says, But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven know it. Nor the Son himself. But only the Father. Jesus was saying, I don't even know the exact day or hour. I can tell you that I'm coming back. That's what I've been, that's what I've been commissioned to do. I'm coming back to get you. But I don't even know the exact hour. Only the Father knows the hour. And some of us, I don't know about you, but we read and see so many books. One of the the best-selling books out there today are the ones in the Christian bookshops that have the timelines that tell you when Jesus is coming back. You know? We all want to know when he's coming back. But listen to me, not one person will ever know when he's returning. Next week, we're going to be looking at the signs of what Jesus gives us to show his return. But this week, I want to be looking at what it is to be ready. When Jesus said in Revelation 22, behold, I am coming soon. He meant it. And I think sometimes that the church is in a bit of a sleep. We're in a bit of a sleep mode at the moment where we're not really, because we're not taught on these things, we don't get ready for it. But Jesus said that. Reinhard Bonnke, famous evangelist, he was once asked, or he was talking to someone about horse racing. A, a gentleman said to him about horse racing, he knew everything about horse racing. And Reinhard Bonnke once, he didn't know what to say to this gentleman. And so he said, well, you know what, I have put all my money... On the white horse in the book of Revelation chapter 19. He says the Bible says that the rider's name is faithful and true. And the word of God and he is the son of God Jesus Christ. He said I've not just put my money on him. As a matter of fact I have no money. But I put my life and my soul on Jesus Christ. And I know I'm going to win. Amen. He knew what it was. You see I'm putting my trust today on Jesus. We sung about it earlier. The cornerstone. When the final trumpet sounds, where's your hope and your trust going to be? Where is your trust going to be when you hear the final trumpet sound? Let me tell you, not only is Jesus coming soon, but the Bible talks about the great day. A day when everything, as you know it, is going to end. Some of us, we, do you know sometimes, some people don't want Jesus to come back. They think, well, I've booked my holiday. You know, I've booked a holiday soon to Greece. I'm not telling you when I'm going or where I'm going. But listen, we, we don't want it to come back. We're saying, well, we want to, we, we've got things to do. I, I, I'm getting married or I'm doing this and we've got so much plans in our life. We're not ready for him to return and we don't want it to happen. 
Let me tell you, when that day happens, it will be the best thing you've ever seen in your life. When you see the Savior come, the one who you've been worshipping all these years that you've known him, he comes for his saints to save us once and for all. Amen? But I believe that there's many people today, we see so many things coming out and uh, books and I think sometimes some of the paperback books and some of the things that come over, and I'm not criticizing America, but there's a lot of things that have come from America that people have said, and they talk about the end times, there's books come out, and sometimes people don't understand the scriptures that really back this stuff up. And so we get into this view of creating our own end time pattern and timeline that's based on paperbacks. Or timelines that someone's selling down in the bookshop that fills your whole wall of when Jesus is coming back. And you think, I'm not really sure what's happening. The best thing to stick to is the Bible. The best thing to look at is what the Word of God says and let the Spirit of God speak to you and show you. I, I meet so many people, they worry about what's happening, who the Antichrist is. If you don't know what that is, it talks in the Bible about one who will rise up. Many people worry about all these things, but I don't worry. I don't worry because I put my, my hope and trust is on Jesus Christ. On the one on the white horse who's faithful and true. He is the word of God. Listen to me. We haven't got to worry. Jesus didn't say worry about the end times. He says, behold, I'm coming soon. Be ready. He's the one with the words that I listen to. But it's good to look and to understand some of these things. So that when you read these books or when someone says things to you, you'll understand a little bit more about what Jesus says about these things. The first week, this week in part one, I want to look. The title of this one is Ready or Not. Ready or Not. I think that we should be ready. Many of us, sometimes we, we think more about that, and I think most of us think this, that we don't really sometimes believe he's going to come back in our lifetime. And we think really the time we're going to see Jesus is probably when we die. Let me tell you, I watched a program the other night. It was really depressing. And I found that it said that in, in the UK alone, every minute someone dies. So while we're in this meeting today, every single minute someone is dying. And there were these teams going out and trying to rescue people and paramedics. And after a bit, I had to turn the program over because I thought, this they're doing a great work, but this is quite depressing, the amount of people that are dying. And some of us think we've got so many years on this earth... And if we live to 80, 90 years old or wherever we're going to live past that, praise the Lord if we do. Whatever we live on this earth, that that's when we'll see Jesus. But listen to me. The day is coming when you might not die and he might show himself to come. And it's not just about dying. It's about that day. I want to be around. I'm telling you, I'm excited for the day. When he does come. When the final trumpet sounds. Listen. We won't need to do any more worship here. We'll be in heaven. And we'll be, we won't need to do the church thing like we, we know it. We'll be there with him. It will be the best worship service you've ever been to in your life. It will be the best church meeting you've ever been to in your life. Because we will be there in the presence of almighty God. When he comes and takes us to be with him. I'm excited for that day. So what should we expect? How do we learn from this scripture we just read? First of all, to be ready for this. First of all, just get in your minds that he is coming soon. He didn't just say, I'm coming back. He said, I'm coming soon. Many people say, 2,000 years have passed by. Well, I think Jesus has got it pretty wrong. If 2,000 years have passed, where is he now? Why are we not seeing him come back? And one of the reasons why the church falls asleep is because they analyze time in their own minds. You see, when Jesus said that, 2,000 years is nothing to him. You look at the, the Bible talks about the years of silence between Malachi and Matthew when it begins. There's years of silence when God really, you don't really see much record of what God was doing. 400 years passed. But look what happened then. The prophecies that foretold Jesus coming and being born to die for you. Some people would have said, what's going on in these years? We don't really see much happening. Then, boom, out of the blue, Jesus comes. He's born. Sorry if I scared you there. He's not come back yet. You're still here. 
You're still here. Number one this morning, I believe that from these scriptures we should learn from the past. Learn from the past. We read earlier, it said this, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Why does it say these things? Why does it talk about it? It refers, it's very interesting that Jesus refers to Noah. If you want to look at, you should read the story of Noah. You'll get a pretty good idea of the how things will be at this time. The thing is, Jesus says... In other words, he does, he's not criticizing that people be drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. There's nothing wrong with getting married, although last night <laughs> we found that there's trouble in marriage. So, But listen, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong in getting married. There's nothing wrong with these things. But Jesus, in other words, was saying, when the times that you're going to see when Jesus turns, it will be normal. Everything will feel like it's normal to you. The people will be doing the things that they've always done. It's not changed. It will be normal. Therefore, sometimes people are waiting. They're asleep because they're waiting for things to get so terrible until Jesus comes back. Listen, when Jesus returns, things will be like it were in Noah's time where they didn't believe when Noah was building the ark and they were probably looking at him thinking, are you crazy? Why are you building an ark? Why are you doing these things? There's no rain going to come. I'd have loved to have been there the day when that first drop of rain hit Noah's head. And he knew everything that God had told him would happen was about to occur. Listen to me. It will happen so sudden. It will happen so quick. In the twinkling of an eye, it says in the Bible. Let me tell you this, do not wait until things get so bad for you to think, ah, this is it. Now he's coming soon. It will be as in the days of Noah. People will be marrying, people will be doing everything they've always done. We should learn from this and learn from the past. People will be doing things, it will be life as normal. They'll be totally unaware, it says. Now I'm going to be looking just in a few weeks Kind of, we'll be coming, almost coming back and forth on this, but I'm going to be coming and looking at what it is for you as a Christian. Some people get a little bit confused as to whether you will be, you will be caught unaware that you won't know because of the day or the hour that all of a sudden Jesus will shock you and you won't be ready. The whole purpose is Jesus says that we will know. He won't come like a thief in the night to those who are children of light. You should read this. We're going to look at this, but he will not come like a thief in the night to those who are ready. If you're not ready, he will come like a thief in the night. But that's why next week we're going to be looking at the signs of what you need to be reading at the moment so that you are ready. So when the day comes, you're prepared and you're ready. I want you to turn with me, if you can, to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. It says this, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. There it is. It's just the same old day. Everything's the same. But verse 5, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. In other words, the flood. He says that people will be scoffing and saying to us, do you really think he's coming? Do you really think and trust these words? Where is this coming? Where is this coming that Jesus talked about? Because when I look around, everything's the same as it was years ago. Nothing's changed. People will have this perspective that nothing's any different. And I want to encourage you today that 
Again, do not look for things to get terrible until you think he's going to return. There are signs, but we must also be ready that people will be saying it's normal. Where is this coming? We were going to be, for us, every time we come to church each week and you give your time to the ministry and you do the things for God. Do you know what you're doing? You're building the ark. You are building your own arks for God. You are building the church for God. And all the time, and you're going to get this, but I've had it in my life, people used to say to me uh, in the past, in my old workplace, they used to say this. The amount of times I used to give to church and was doing things for church, sometimes people would say, you are a God botherer. In other words, you're bothering God. Don't you think he's had enough time? Why don't you have a few nights off? You seem to be always down there. Aren't you bothering him? Surely he needs a rest. You know, and I'd say, I'm going down to do some worship practice to learn a new song. He'd be like, hasn't he had enough? And people tend to have this perspective that we, we're kind of bothering God or we're wasting our time. But let me tell you, everything you do for the kingdom of God, you are building the ark ready for the day. You are building it ready for the day when he sounds, the trumpet sounds and he returns. And people will look then, just like they did in the days of Noah, and they were, they were coming to get into the boat, and they couldn't because it was too late. They were not prepared. I'm glad I'm a God-botherer. I'm glad I bother God because God says He wants to be worshipped. God says He wants to be worshipped 24 hours a day. He wants it continually. Praise and thanks to Him. Listen, God does not get tired of our praise and worship. He does not get bored of it. He deserves it. And I want to encourage you today that never listen to when people are saying to you in these times that don't you think, are you, do you really think he's coming back? Why don't you just give it a rest? Listen to me. The best thing you can do for the rest of your life is to focus on the kingdom and keep building the ark ready for his return. As in the days of Noah. Sometimes it can be tiring and it's difficult, it's challenging in ministry to keep on going. And sometimes when you've got people saying things to you like, why do you waste your time at church? And there's a tendency for us to think, well, do you know what? I'm going to start spending a bit of my time with the world and a bit of time with church because I'm going to try and share this out. Listen to me, the best thing you can do is keep on building. Keep on building because the day comes we want to be ready. Our arcs need to be ready with no holes in them. Amen. Peter went on to say this in verse 8 of Second Peter. He said, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. In other words, when people are saying, where is this coming? Everything's the same. It's 2,000 years since Jesus said this. Remember that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day to Jesus. It's completely different to our perspective. He sees things in a different way. The memo has been sent round to all of the churches. The memo has been sent to us to tell us that he is coming soon. But many of us don't read these memos. We get a little bit like, well, I'm just going to enjoy church. I'm not really sure this is all a little bit too fantasy to me. And Revelation, if you read Revelation, I'd encourage you to read it. But I'd encourage you this at the beginning of these three weeks, if you're going to start and look a little bit deeper into the things of what I'm going to be talking about, is start off in Thessalonians. Start reading Thessalonians first, then read Revelation, and then read Daniel. Because you'll find that if you look at what Paul's teaching, the simplicity of it, then you'll start to see that Revelation comes a little bit more alive to you. Some people start off in Revelation, they get so far into looking at the beasts and the dragons and they think, this sounds like a film and I don't understand it. I don't re- it sounds like fantasy. But know this, that when the revelation was given to John at Patmos, it was given in pictorial ways, just like God speaks to us today prophetically. He gave him, he gave him these images of the future in a way that he would, it would catch his attention. And what is written down is not fantasy. It's the truth. It's the truth. In 2 Peter 3 verse 17 it says, Since you've been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. 
You see, people are going to want to rock your boat. They're going to want to rock what you believe in this last, in these days. Some people say, when are the last days? We're living in the last days. I'll tell you when the last days started. They started in the book of Acts. When Peter stood up and he, he, he said, we're living in, and he talked about the Joel 2 prophecy. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Listen, the spirit was poured out at Pentecost. Therefore, the clock, the countdown was ticking right from Acts. Right from Pentecost when the spirit fell. These are the days they have come. We're living in the last days. There's not some last days to come later on. These are the period of time. These 2,000 years are the last days before Jesus returns. And fulfills what he's going to do. And rule and reign on this earth. Amen. We've been warned. Number two today. We should look with expectancy. I I sometimes talk to people about this. And I I get the inference. I get the, the view that people don't look. With expectancy anymore. Of Jesus returning. They don't look at life. With any expectancy that he's actually going to come back. I don't know about you. When I was younger, we used to watch films like Thief in the Night. And if you were, young, if you were my age around then, we went to youth. I used to come back from these youth meetings so scared. The adaptations of these films, when you look back up now, you realize how wrong we were. You know. And we looked at these films and do you know what? I'm so glad in one way, even though these films didn't really get it right, we prophesy in part, don't we? We don't understand things sometimes. They did put a sense in me all of my life that Jesus is coming. I'm glad that my youth leaders showed me some videos, that even though they might not have been doctrinally right, and they might not have been exactly how things might turn out. They put into me this sense all the way through my young age that Jesus is coming. And I'm glad they did that because I then turned to the Bible and I started to look at my own view on this, started to find my own truths and realized that, yeah, people don't, do you know what? Even what I'm going to say to these next three weeks, you might have a different view and that's fine. You might have different views on this, but I want to encourage you at least see from my perspective and then go away and look at it yourself. But I believe we should look with expectancy. We read early in Matthew chapter 24, he said, therefore, Jesus said, keep watch Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus said to keep watch and be ready. Do you know in Noah's time they didn't know the hour that the rain was going to come either. They had no idea of that time. They didn't know and, and Jesus describes it. Like a thief in Thessalonians, it describes it like a thief in the night. I don't know, many years ago, it was probably, I don't know, five, six years ago, we were, one morning I got up and I went to work one morning. Excuse me if you've heard this story before. But as I walked out of the house, I see my next door neighbor and he is frantic because that night, whilst we were in bed, his house had been fully burgled. The whole of downstairs had been cleared out. The plasma, the plasma TV's gone. Everything. They took money. The whole of downstairs was totally cleared out. The doors opened. The lights left on. And I said, what's happened? He says, they've come in. They've broken in. And they took everything. I'm trying to find what's gone. He said, but this has all happened while we've been in bed. The moment he said this, my heart was racing thinking, I wonder if anything's been broken into our house. So I'm checking our house. And what I couldn't believe is our house was a lot more fragile to enter than theirs. They had secure windows and everything like this. So I was like, why? You know, thank you God if you've protected us, but you know, what's going on here? But it scared me so much because life, I've been living it every day and I thought nothing ever, ever happens like that to me. It will not happen. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, this man, he gets burgled. So then the first thing we did is he said, Phil, we need to get an alarm fitted. We didn't have an alarm. If only we'd have had an alarm fitted. And so I said to him, I said, well, let's arrange it. I'll get the guys in. Within, Listen to me. Within four or five days, we had a full alarm fitted. That's mainly because Emma was getting on to me as well. We didn't want our plasma TV to go as well. And so, yeah, we wanted to keep the TV. The alarm cost more than the TV. 
But yeah, we got this alarm fitted. So we, we get the alarm fitted and then a few months go by and we're used to having this alarm every single night, putting the alarm button on. It used to drive me crazy. Remembering the code and then going down. And then one night, you know, how many of you know that when you get an alarm fitted, you don't really want it to go off, do you? It's one of those things that's one of the most complete waste of money you'll ever spend. Because it's the thing that you actually never want to work. You don't want it to work because you don't want to hear the sound of the alarm. Because that means someone's here. You know, I, I like pressing the panic button even when nothing was happening. But one night, in the middle of the night, it was about... Two in the morning, I'm laid there in bed. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, the alarm goes off. Woo, woo. And I looked, I sat up, I didn't even know the sound of my own alarm. I didn't know what I paid for. I didn't know, this. is this our alarm or is it someone else's? You see, then you have to get the instruction manual out and work out, is this my alarm or what am I hearing? And I'm sat up, I shut up in bed and I'm not a good, when I'm, when I'm asleep, I'm asleep. I'm really asleep. Emma looks at me, she says, is that our alarm? I said, I've got no idea. What does the alarm sound like? We were in the bedroom. I think then we had the kids, didn't we? We had the kids in the other room, only really young. And I'm, I'm in this, in the bedroom thinking, what on earth is going on? Then the next minute, she said, Emma said to me, you need to go downstairs. I said, are you joking? Don't you want to go? Are you sure? And then we had a little debate in the bedroom about who was going to go downstairs. You know, I just felt that it was better for me to be high up and to see what's going on from a higher perspective. For Emma's, you know, she, she's got a lot more wise words than me. She can go and chat to them and ask them why are they stealing from us. And I'll stay here with the kids, protect the children. You know, that's the man's job. She said, no, go downstairs. And she gave me, I don't know what it was, I had some kind of thing, some stick in my hand. It was, I don't think it had done much at all, it was quite flexible. It really didn't do anything at all, it was some curtain rail or something. She said, go downstairs with this, you need to go down. So there I was, I crept down the stairs, and listen to me, this, things got worse, because I crept down the stairs, and we have a light uh, on the landing, which you have to turn on when you're downstairs. The problem is I couldn't turn the light on upstairs, so I had to turn the light on downstairs. So I get to the bottom of the stairs, and I go with this stick in my hand. The alarm's still ringing. It's pitch black. And I go to switch the switch on on the, on the hallway, and as I press the switch, the light does not turn on. I thought, no! They've disabled the lights as well. These are intelligent people. They've disabled the lights. They know what they're doing. In fact, that means that any second now I'm going to get hit over the head. And I honestly, I was waiting and Emma's shouting down the stairs, well, whispering, shouting, saying, what's going on? And I thought, I can't tell the, tell her that the light's not working. And so I was down at the bottom of the stairs and, and as I walked in underneath our stairs to press the key code to shut the alarm off, all the time, I'm telling you, all the time I was waiting for someone to club me over the head. I just waiting for it. And I turned the alarm off, found out after it was a spider. It was a spider that had crept over the... You see, they never tell you this when they're fitting the alarm. They didn't tell me about these, these little things. So there I was. But listen, just I didn't tell you this before I even went down. Before I went down, there was a little scenario that I've kind of missed out. But as we were debating up there, Emma said to me, are you going to go down? I said, no. And so I opened the front window and I started to shout out of our front of our house, we have been burgled! Help! Yeah, I'm ashamed to say it. I was hanging out the window shouting, help! Little did they know that a spider crawled over my sensor. The next day, Emma said to me, I cannot believe you shouted out of the window like that. I don't know what's more embarrassing, the alarm going off or you. The next morning when I went out, I was so embarrassed. I saw the gentleman, our next door neighbor, and I said, did you hear anything last night? He says, no. I asked several neighbors, no, we didn't hear a thing. Later I found out this, I discovered that the alarm system, when it goes off, if someone intrudes, doesn't sound on the outside if you're in. 
If you're out, it will, because the setting's different. So the setting we had it on meant that when we were in the house, the internal sounder goes off, but the one doesn't outside. So it meant all the neighbors, that if anything they heard was not an alarm, they just heard me shouting, Help! <laughs> Thankfully, no one really heard me. To this day, I've kept my dignity in our village. But what I want, the reason, why do I tell you this? Because I never, ever, ever expected the alarm to ring. I never expected that even though I had everything set up and I had my panel put in because of this previous burger, I never thought it would actually ring. But out of the blue, when I least expected it in the midnight hours, all of a sudden it woke me up and I was not ready. The weapons I had weren't even ready. Not that you should have weapons. But I had nothing ready. I was not ready to respond to this call and this cry. And listen to me tonight. You could be in your beds in the midnight hour. And the alarm sounds because the final trumpet call. And Jesus comes to to return to you. To rescue us. To take us. And you might not be ready. Listen to me. Get the alarm, get the alarm installed, but read the instructions. Read your Bibles to know that when He comes, you need to be ready. Know the sound of His call. I'm serious. We might be having a good time this morning, having a little laugh, but I'm serious that when that sound comes, it won't be an alarm system like mine. It will be a final trumpet that you know this is it. This is the end. And I know my cornerstone is today. I know that it's Jesus. He's the one. I know He's the one. When the final trumpet sounds, He is my cornerstone. I want to ask you today, are you ready and are you looking with expectancy? Don't listen to the lies that this is fantasy, that He's not coming back. There were ten virgins in the story we read earlier in the parable. Five of them were foolish, five of them wise. The five wise ones trimmed their lamps. They had enough oil. In those times, it's talking about a wedding when the the bridegroom would come at an hour that they didn't expect. He would come at an hour that they didn't expect. They had to wait and be ready in those ancient times. The parable he uses this is describing a time when they had to be ready with their lamps. But it says that five foolish were not ready. They did not have enough oil. In their lamps. They start to ask the other ones. Please give us some of your oil. And they said no go and buy some. I want, you to, I want you to catch this for a moment. Because when the midnight cry rang out. It says in Matthew 25 6. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. The people were asleep. There is. If you look at this parable. There's a time. Between the cry. And the coming. Some people see this as, yeah, well, I'm not going to be ready. Jesus returns and that's it. Listen to me. There is going to be a cry over this land, over our nations, over the earth that shakes the church. The midnight cry. That is going to be the pre-earthquake, should I call it that. If you know when sometimes an earthquake comes and then a bigger one comes after, it's the pre There is going to be a cry that comes. Because if you read this story, it says that the midnight cry rang out. Come out to meet the bridegroom, it says. And it says this, Matthew 25 verse 10. While they were on their way, look at this. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. He didn't say the bridegroom arrived. There was a time For them to buy the oil. And listen to me. There is, I believe, coming soon a cry in our churches that are going to shake them. And you're going to see the difference between who is a true believer. There will be no time for wishy-washy church. There will be no time for wishy-washy theology. There will be a time when if you don't know the word of God. 
If you've not read the instructions and you're not, this is not deep in your heart, the truths. If this is not embedded into you, there'll be a time coming when the midnight cry comes and you will not be ready. Listen, your oil that you can buy is your time spent with God. Your time learning what God has to say to you. It costs you your time. Yeah, you're saying, well, what oil can I buy? I don't understand this. You buy it by your time. You buy it by what God wants to do in your life. Spending time with Him. Learning in Scripture about what He says. So that when He comes, when He comes in that time, you will not be short. There is a cry coming. And I want to tell you today, be ready. Look with expectancy. When I watch the news and I watch some of the things that are happening at the moment, do you know what I do? I look with expectancy. Always look. I think, do you know what? It does shake, it does shake us this. It shakes the church. Some of the things we've seen, we're going to look at it next week. The signs, reading the signs. Some of the things that I believe God wants to help you in understanding when he's returning. But listen to me. When I watch the news, I look with expectancy. Some people say the world's getting terrible. I say, yeah, but I'm looking with expectancy because I know that Jesus is coming soon. We should look with expectancy. Ready for the cry. And have time to be ready. Revelation 19 describes a church that's made itself ready. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb. That's Jesus has come and his bride has made herself Ready. I want to be in that description in Revelation 19. The bride that's made itself ready. Not the ones who are hanging on asleep in church. You see in the midnight hour. That means the middle of the night when it says this. That's when you're tired. Just like I was when I woke up. You're not really sure. And listen to me. The church these days. I believe. I honestly believe this. I'm not criticizing our church. But I believe that the church is asleep. I do not see the level at the moment in which the church should be in responding to Jesus returning. When I was younger, I heard more about Jesus' return than I ever hear now. In churches, that is. You can watch things online, you can see things, and you can think, yeah, I can see. But it's not spoken about as much. And listen, if you know this church and you know me, I want to make sure we get all the full, everything to learn. We get ready for this. And we do look with expectancy. Number three today, the final point is this, is to live for eternity. To look forward to eternity. Jean-Louis said it earlier as we came around the table that we should look to that day, that hope, that we have eternal life in him. You see, the other thing is I think some Christians sometimes believe we're not ready and we're asleep. We don't think about the fact that we are going to live for eternity. When you start to have an eternal perspective on your salvation, you realize that you're just starting out now. This is just part of it. There may be trouble, there may be difficulties, but we are living, we are living in the eternity now. It started when you gave your life to Jesus. Because you will never die. The other night when I watched the program and he said there's, there's someone in the UK dying every single minute. The gentleman said, he goes, I'm, I'm an atheist. He said, in fact, he said, I'm not an atheist. I don't know what I am. I'm not really sure what I believe if there is a God. He says, but there's one thing. Every time I see someone die, there's something leaves them. There's something that was there and has gone. He really saw that even though he didn't know what he believed, that there was something there. Listen to me. I mean, recently I was spending time around the bed of someone who died with cancer. I spent hours and hours praying for this young lady. The day that she died, I really witnessed for my own eyes for the first time of someone whose spirit just went. Thankfully, she gave her life to Jesus through the time I spent with her. I was so thankful for that. I was able to lead her to the Lord. I might not have seen a healing or a miracle that I wanted to see, but I led her to Jesus. And now I know where she is today. She's with the King. She is with Him. But I want to tell you that you notice when you see someone die that there is something. And you are going to live for eternity. We should have an eternal perspective. 
Jesus said that people in Noah's day were busy in their lives. They were busy doing the normal things, day-to-day things. And do you know what? I believe this, that sometimes as Christians, not being ready, the thing that can affect you not being ready, is that we get so wrapped up in the things of life now, that we don't look at things on an eternal perspective. They were marrying, they were doing, drinking and, getting, and just doing all the things that they wanted to do. And listen to me, I believe that, the, that where we can live now, we can live in a time now where we get wrapped up into the things of selfish desires, the things we want to do and we lose the eternal perspective. That's when we lose the idea that Jesus is coming back, that there is another sequel to this. There's something more to come. Solomon wrote in all his wisdom in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, he says, God sets eternity into our hearts. When I became a Christian, I realized what that meant. He put eternity on the inside of me. It becomes your, it's like another added DNA piece inside of us that he's adding this extra thing that says, do you realize now you're with me for eternity? Some of us, if we lose that perspective, we start to just get wrapped up into the things of this world. The things of the here and now. The good things in life can take our eyes off Jesus. The good things, some of these things that are good, can take our eyes off Jesus. And I believe those five virgins, the foolish ones, they weren't ready. They weren't ready because they took their eyes off the prize. Yesterday I went on a ride. 72 miles we rode yesterday. I don't know why I did it. But I rode with my friend. We rode uh, to nearly down and market and back. And the plan was, he left his car at my house. And we rode all the way up there and back. We said, we'll do it in a few hours or whatever. We'll have lunch up there. We had 30 minutes lunchtime. And then we had to turn around on the bikes and get back on. Boy, oh boy, did I know about it when I turned back around. But we set off back. So we had another 36 miles to do to come home. And as we set off back on the 36 miles back, my friend started to say, I haven't cycled for a long time. And he started to fail. And he was way behind. He was shouting me. And I didn't even know. The wind was blowing his voice away. And so for th- he says, for three miles I've been shouting you. I thought we were doing really well, you know. And we got so far. And he said this to me. He said, when we get back to near Ely. He said, I'm, I live in Ely. And my wife was uh, in Ely at his wife's house with the children. He says, I can't go back to your house. He says, I can't get back to your house. He says, I'm going back here. He says, you can come back as well. He says, and Emma, we can get a lift back with her. And I says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm carrying on. I'm, I'm doing what I said I was going to do. I said I was doing 72 miles. I'm doing 72 miles. That's what I'm doing. And uh, I, he said, yeah, yeah, cool. You carry on then. So he goes and leaves me. And I do the last, whatever it was, 15 miles or so on my own. And then they drive past me because they drive past, past me. I'm halfway through this 15 miles, nearly dying. Trying to prove it to myself. I can do 72 miles. The wind's against me. And then Emma, they drive past, they wave. That's the first thing. And I thought, they said, you know, do you want to lift? I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. And then I carried on. Then later on, he comes, he drives back from my house and he passes me again. And he says, are you sure you don't want to lift? There's two miles left. I said, no, no, I'm nearly there. And do you know what? I didn't want to give up. Because there was a prize. For me, I wanted to fulfill what I said I was going to do. And for you today, when you got saved, there is in your heart, in your DNA, there is a prize. Paul said, I press on towards the goal. And I today, I want to tell you that you need to keep it up. And the goal you've set your eyes on, do you know what? It was like when he came and, and, and he was shouting, it was like the enemy was saying, give up. I'm not saying he's the enemy, but I'm saying he's my friend. But I'm saying it's like the enemy comes like he does and says, are you sure you don't want to lift? Are you sure you don't want to just give up at this stage? And listen to me. There are things that will take your eye off Jesus. The things of this world that will pull you off your your original goal. And to be ready, you have to keep in mind the goal all the time. However difficult things get in my life, do you know what I always do? I keep fixed on, not the 72 miles, but the goal that I am going for Jesus. Right to the end. Those who endure to the end, it says, shall be saved. 
I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Don't give up if it looks like someone's offering you a better deal. Someone's offering you a better deal in life to say, come on, give up. You, you know, you, you look like you're nearly about to die. This is difficult Christianity for you, isn't it? Why don't you just ease off a little bit? Listen to me. I want to say to you, keep going for the goal, just as Paul said. Never give up and press on. Be ready for his return. Spend your life working for Jesus. Second Peter 3 and verse 10. It says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise... We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but there's nothing to be scared about in Jesus coming back. Peter says here, he says, look forward to it. Look forward to this day. Speed it's coming. Do you know one of the things you'll find in Paul's teaching, and we're going to be looking at this maybe in the next few weeks, that Paul... Some of the guys in some of the churches, Thessalonica, they were, they were saying, you know, I think there's no point in working anymore. There's no point in doing anything anymore because if Jesus is coming back soon, then let's just quit. You know, let's just stop. What, what's the point in doing things? They were so ready and so an- anticipated for this coming. I don't know if I see that in the church today. It seems like in... Thessalonians, when you read it, that they were more expecting Jesus to come than you see in some churches today. Why is that right? Well, the one thing it shows me is this, that Paul's teachings, the person who taught them about Jesus coming was Paul himself. Therefore, what does it say about Paul? It says that Paul spoke with expectancy of the coming. He gave them an expectancy. And I want to tell you, I want to be in a church where speaks like Paul did, where there's an expectancy not one where we see it as fantasy. Our cry should be this. Come, Lord Jesus. Speed is coming. Come, Lord Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22, the cry there is called the Maranatha. It's to come, Jesus. I don't hear that so much these days. The cry and the prayer. Come, Jesus. Even so, come. Even so, come. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.